Welcome to MicroConf On Air, the podcast and live stream that helps developers, designers, and entrepreneurs be awesome at building, launching, and building startups, whether you built your fifth one or you're just thinking about it. I decided to do a little uh, throwback. Producer Xander surprised me with the, uh, the Startups for the Rest of Us theme music, and I uh, thought it'd be a little fun to, to do that intro in case you recognize it from even a few months ago. Every once in a while, I, I still throw that in on the podcast, but uh, that was our intro for about 450 episodes, nine years of Startups for the Rest of Us. So welcome today. This is MicroConf on Air. I'm, as always, your host, Rob Walling. And every Wednesday, we live stream for about 30 minutes, and we cover topics about startups, building and growing, bootstrapping, self-funding, indie funding, all the things. And uh, you know, really believing in a long-term mindset and doing things for um, both for the world, but also for ourselves and our family and our lifestyle, and not being willing to sacrifice um, all of that in order to, to build a company. So a couple of housekeeping items before I bring uh, Mike on here and we start digging into startups for the rest of us. If you have not checked out microconf uh, masterminds.com, that is where we are doing uh, micro, uh, mastermind matching. There's a lot of M's going on here, a lot of alliteration. We're doing mastermind matching. Uh, I think we have another, producer Xander can correct me, but about another week before we're going to do uh, a match. So if you want to get in, you'll want to check that out get in. Um, there's a, a short application form to help match folks up. Um, and there is a nominal cost based on how much uh, revenue you're doing on an annual basis, um, really more to get skin in the game th than anything. MicroConfMasterminds.com, it's going well. Um, we have uh, a lot of folks who've signed up and I, I look forward to, to kind of getting those matches out and getting people connected. If you haven't already, if you've been watching MicroConf on air and you haven't hit the subscribe button to get notified about our future uh, live videos and frankly talk videos that we publish, um, be sure to seek that out and subscribe. I think we exceeded 4,000 subscribers, uh, in, you know, which is, feels pretty good. Uh, we've only been on YouTube for a, few, a handful of months and um, it seems to be working out so far. If you ever miss an episode of MicroConf on air or you just prefer to consume it, as, uh, as an audio feed, just search for MicroConf on air in any podcatcher, um, which, is, which is what I do. I don't, I don't watch the live video. I uh, listen to the audio asynchronously at one and a half speed, which is the best way to listen to, uh, to me talking. Um, maybe 2x, actually, to make better use of time. Thanks, as always, to Basecamp and Stripe. They are our headline partners this year, and uh, we really appreciate their involvement and support of MicroConf and MicroConf on air. So today, I am reflecting on 500 episodes of Startups for the Rest of Us with Mr. Mike Tabor. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing this week? <laughs> I'm doing all right, man. Yeah, things are, uh, things are good. The weather's kind of trippy. We had a flash flood warning yesterday afternoon, and then it was 95 the day before. So typical Midwest, <laughs> Midwest uh, weather. So for folks who don't know Mike Tabor, he is just now, in the next day or two, returning to Twitter. He's at Civil Founder. He's been off for a year. So if you want to, if you want to troll Mike, go right now and just at mention him. If we can get like fifty people to to at mention Mike, so he has a huge uh, backlog to go through, that'll be great. But I'm not going to go through the back backlog. We already talked about this. Like I'm just no. not going to. I'm just going to be like, yeah, if you wait till tomorrow and then tweet me, then I'll see it. But otherwise, I'm probably just not going to look at. I'll like click the button just to make the icon go away because of my OCD. Like I can't have that thing saying there's 20 plus notifications, however many there. I know that there's way more than 20, but uh, oh, yeah. yeah, there there's going to be 20 just after this conversation. You know, Mike, we are we did already talk about it, but through the magic of time travel, that no one will hear that till next Tuesday. Oh, really? So next wow. episode, yeah. It's time, time travel. travel. Yeah, so awesome. 
Mike, uh, for those who don't know, I gotta assume everyone does. Yeah, he's the co-founder of MicroConf, co-founder of Startups for the Rest of Us, and the founder of BlueTick.io. If you have any questions for Mike or I, you know, we always love the, the live engagement. Uh, please do feel free to post those into the MicroConf on-air Slack channel uh, in, or the, the Slack. Yeah, it's a channel within the MicroConf Connect workspace. Those are the technical terms. So I gotta get it right. Um, we already have a, uh, yeah, 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 we have two questions. I'll get to them in a second. I've, I wanted to start with two things. Number one, you have a coffee mug that I feel like the, the viewers should see. And for the audio listeners, that says, this is probably whiskey, even though it's only 1 p.m. your, uh, your time. I have mad respect for, uh, for Mike Tabor and his whiskey collection. The other thing is I look back, Mike, at episode one of Startups for the Rest of Us, recorded over 10 years ago. <laughs> too painful to listen to but it's the question that the title is what is a micropreneur and we micropreneur is a, is a term that we did, like i don't even use anymore even though it still has some meaning it's like bootstrapper or self-funded startup or self-funded founder or non-venture track startup there's all these other these better terms for it now but micropreneur was and i'm curious to hear your take on it it was like a made-up word that we used, we invented this term because bootstrapper didn't really fit at the time. Like bootstrap startups were considered lifestyle businesses and there wasn't this track and this understanding of, you know, that we have today in the microconf community. Is that your memory as well? Like do you, yeah, I'm just curious to hear your take on that whole topic. Um, my recollection is that we could get the domain name, so we went with it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was not something that anybody else really had. And um, it was similar enough to entrepreneur that we could, you know, kind of play off of that and make people understand what it was without having to explain it too much. Um, and it just like the, the people who fit that profile, it just made sense to them. Um, I would agree with you that it has not shown its age really well. Uh, and it's not exactly a widespread term at this point, but, you know, it's the, it's almost like, you know, well, Oracle isn't necessary. like they are a widespread name, but it's not, you know, because people think, oh, the Oracle database or anything like that. It's like, it's a brand, you know? Um, and I don't think we had intentionally tried to uh, take that brand name and make it, you know, widespread because we, it's not something we really did. We focused more, much more on the community and the relationships and everything else and the products as opposed to like the name itself of like this thing that we were trying to, um, you know, basically made people understand like, hey, this is a new type of arrangement for startups. Yeah, I feel like we were trying to create a new category and mm -hmm. that's really, really hard. And you know what I think about is even the very first, I think like Micropreneur Academy launched in, I would say 2009 or 10 and MicroConf launched in 2011. We didn't, the tagline of MicroConf was never the conference for micropreneurs it was always the conference for at least at the start the conference for self-funded startups and single founders that was the mm -hmm. original tagline because we knew that self-funded startups were a thing and at the time remember single founder and and co-founder like that alone was a conversation topic that i feel like isn't even that relevant anymore you know because it was like single founders were the non-venture track was kind of the implication whereas mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whereas today it's like, that's not a thing. Like you can have a single founder venture track, single founder non, that's not the, the designation or, or really a differentiator anymore in my opinion. Even though, hey, single founder is still your, your Twitter handle. 
Yep. Well, I mean, it's it's not easy to change that, but um, <laughs> unless well, I could change it. It's just to be difficult to find like a new one. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember um, one of the reasons we ended up with Startups for the Rest of Us the, as the podcast name was because uh, when Paul Graham had written uh, one of his articles, he said flat out like we don't fund single founder companies, and here's why. And it was like, well, what about the rest of us who are doing these things? We are creating startups, and you can't say that it's not a startup, but it's it's just not venture funded or angel funded like you know you guys are doing through YC. Um, so it kind of, you know, I think I remember writing a blog post about it, and I registered the domain name, and then fast forward several years, you know, when you and I connected, it was like, hey, I've got this domain name, we could use it for the podcast, and it seems like that just it fit, it just fit really well. Yeah, we've gotten questions before of like. Do you ever, because typically if you do something for, a, you know, a decade, especially if you named it at a certain point, like Dan and Ian named, they had the Lifestyle Business Podcast, and then they forked off and started Tropical MBA, and later they decided we don't even, like Lifestyle Business Podcast doesn't even apply to us anymore, and they and they merged it all into um, Tropical MBA. We've had questions like, do you regret the name Startups for the Rest of Us? And I have, and we talked about it on the show, but like, I have no regrets. I, I think the name is as fitting, if not more so today, uh, than it ever has been. The micropreneur word, I, after a couple of years, it was just like, eh, this isn't, you know, I don't regret that, but it was definitely something that I think was less relevant and caught on less. Um, but starts for the rest of us, built a brand around it. And then microconf as well is the other thing where, like, I wouldn't rename that, you know, I have no, yeah. I, I've never thought, oh man, I really don't like that. Then, you know, that, oops, I really don't like that name, you know, microconf or starts for the rest of us. Like, I think they still hold up. You have the same sentiment? Yeah, yeah I do. Um, and I would agree, like, on the micropreneur side, it's like, I mean, and that was part of why we renamed um, the Micropreneur Academy online community into Founder Cafe was to help, like, differentiate. Yeah. It's like, well, it's it's not really micropreneurs. And there was some confusion about, well, is this the name of the online community or is it the name of the business? And technically, it was both. And just renaming it to Founder Cafe made more sense because it was a community of founders. Right. Right. So we have a couple questions I want to I want to dig into. Uh, Rafal Tamal, who you and I both know pretty well, he says, "What kept you going all these years? What has kept you going, cranking out podcast episodes?" Uh, I think for me it was the regular schedule of having to basically just show up. Um, and I think that because you and I had put it on our calendars every single week on, and I forget what, at this point when we recorded, it was uh, Tuesdays, I think. So it was like, basically we would record one week in advance every single time. And because it was always on the calendar, we always showed up. It was, it was never something where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to skip this this week. Uh, and then there were occasions where we had to record two in a week because somebody was going on vacation or had to have a guest on or something like that. But we always got it out and we we always had it recorded well enough in advance that it wasn't a big deal um, to, to continue that streak, so to speak. And it, it got easy after a while. I mean, it was one of those things where it, it became a habit. And through that habit, it's just you just do it. You just show up and record. And that's kind of the end of it. It, was, it never felt like work. Um, and I think yeah. that there, there's a lot of things that had to do with that, like being able to create a process for like, okay, we're going to record, put it in Dropbox, somebody edits it, and then they put together the transcend it out for transcription, the whole backend process, because all that stuff was taken care of. And literally we just had to show up that made it easy. Yeah. I think that was a big part of it. I also think f for me, when I think back, I think if we had not built the microconf community like if we had never had microconf and met people in person 
I'm not sure how long that I, because that was a seeing that there were real people listening to the show and reading our blogs at the time, back when we still blog. Remember that? It, but like meeting people in person, it was like, oh, this is a thing. Like there are a lot of people who want, who are doing this or want to do this. I, so, anyways, for me, I, I think everything you said. Plus, I think if we had not started Microconf and continued to do it, I don't know that that the show would have lasted because we would have just been. You feel like sometimes you do feel like you're just talking into a void. You know, you don't get a comment, you don't get a tweet for five episodes, and it's like, is anyone even listening? And you see the downloads, but it's like, is anyone listening? And like Microconf was always a reminder of that that there are real yeah. listeners on the other end. It's that feedback loop. Um, I mean, because when you're in person, you do get that feedback loop, and uh, you know you do see occasional comments and you know iTunes ratings and things like that. And there's emails and questions and stuff that come in. But I agree with you. Just like meeting people in person and having them say, "Oh, I listened to such and such episode, and I took that and ran with it, and it completely changed my business." I mean, that's that that was solid reinforcement that I really think helped us all, um, helped motivate us to do keep doing those episodes. Yeah, and I think that it, you know, if if you've started a podcast or you're working on one now, that doesn't mean you have to go start an in-person event. What I hear from a lot of folks in the you know the the other self-funded kind of bootstrap uh, podcast space is that they go to business and software or microconf, and people come up to them and say, "Hey, you're Brian Castle, right? Or you're Jordan Gall, or you're you know Ben Ornstein." So it's not that you need to start your own event, but I I think having some in-person interactions, um, I think is is super helpful. Uh, there, there's something interesting you said, and I want, we have another couple of questions that I think are interesting. Um, there is something you said is like, we just had to show up every week, you know, and it was on our, it was on our calendar and we had to do it. The show must go on. I also think, and, and that was a good thing, but I also think there were times, I know for me, there were months at a time where I was kind of phoning it in. You know, I was so busy with Drip and so much headspace given to all the other projects I was working on that I would show. I mean, you know, at different times, we recorded 450 episodes together. At different times, you, I would show up and it's like, Mike, there's no outline here. And you're like, I know I'm working on it. Like right now, as we're going to record, or I would do the same thing. And it's like, so I also think there, you know, you do something like this for that long and there are going to be ebbs and flows in your life, mm -hmm. you know, that impact it positively or negatively, I guess. Right. Yeah, but I think that having somebody else there also helped us out because we could cover. I mean, because uh, the the idea of having a co-founder in your business is hopefully you're both not you know down at the same time, and you're both yeah. um, you know if one person is feeling great and the other person's not, like the other you know somebody can help pick up the slack. And I don't feel like we ever got into a position where we're both just like I just don't want to record. And it was yeah. it was nice to be able to have that where like it, you know I mean I, I definitely remember times where you were like I'm going to be really super busy for the next month or two. And I just like pitched in to like help out and, you know, put together some outlines and stuff and it just made it work. Um, but I, showing up is like 90% of the battle, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's a question from YouTube that has a quick answer. So I'll throw it in here. It says, back in the day, the Apple user groups were called the rest of us. Is that where you got it from? And the answer is no. No. <laughs> no I didn't even know they were called that. So uh, that's that's kind of funny. I'll probably have to Google that later. I don't I don't really know about that. All right. Next question is from Forrest. He says, if you could give yourself some advice right when you started the podcast based on what you know now, what would that advice be? And I'm curious if that's I, I guess he's you think he's implying kind of podcast related advice? I'm not sure. Like uh, life and startup advice. Yeah. Answer it however you choose, Mike. Could be either one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that the, 
When we first started, I, and you can probably hear this if you listen to the first couple of episodes, but we started out by um, uh, basically writing out everything that we were going to say, and we read from it. We didn't. We weren't talking. We were reading, and it came off we as really bloggers. choppy. Yeah, we were yeah. writers, right? Both of us, and that's right. that's so that's how we knew how to. We didn't know how to talk like we do now. You know, we talk from ten bullet points for a full episode, but you're right. right. We wrote out like full length blog posts and then kind of talked through them almost. Yep, and that was it. Was challenging, and I, that's not something I would do again or recommend to people. But I think that it probably helped us get uh, comfortable just doing recording. But after a while, we just you know, kind of buckled down and did it. Um, I think the other side for startup advice, I would say that people pay attention to the things that you're doing probably a lot less than you think that they are. So um, it's very easy to see a comment uh, that is, you know, borderline negative and take it personally. And then you see 10 other things that are positive and you don't, you don't give them as much weight. And I know that this is a purely a psychological thing, but everybody has it to some extent. And everybody sees it, um, even in like customer support, like it takes, you know, the, I think the common threshold that's thrown out is like, you know, seven uh, good um, interactions in order to overcome uh, one bad interaction. And it's the same type of thing. But if you sit there and get into your head too much and think about, uh, oh, I got this, um, you know, this bad comment from Twitter or Facebook or, you know, in the, in the show notes or something like that. It doesn't mean that other people aren't, um, you know, thinking positive things or that you should overly think that. I mean, obviously, if you're screwing up and doing, you know, destroying people's data and their businesses and lives, that's a totally different problem. But um, I think generally speaking, most of us are trying to do the right thing for ourselves and for our customers and families and everything else. And just bearing in mind that people don't think about you nearly as much as uh, you think about you is, is helpful from a mental sanity standpoint. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that the advice I might want to give myself is, especially if if I knew, you know, hey, you're going to do this for many years, is to experiment a bit more. I think you and I, as engineers, we we write an intro, we pick a couple show formats, and we execute every week, which is great. But we really didn't, you know, aside from we had basically the teaching episodes we would do, we had Q&A, and we had interviews for the most part. And then obviously we'd have goals and predictions now and again, and we'd have like microconf recaps. I mean, there were other formats, but um, I think that what, if anything, I've I've felt over the past year since I've started really experimenting with a lot of new show formats is a it is it's more work, but it is more fun. You know, like I'm enjoying it more because it's novel, and the response from the audience has been that this is an improvement just to hear variety experimentations, even the ones that don't necessarily work. Um, I get that feedback and stop doing them, but, but taking those risks and sp- investing the time was something that um, I think was always hard to justify. You know, I know for, I'll speak for myself, like when I was writing a book, launching microconf with you work, you know, buying Hittail, revamping it, starting drip, building that exiting, like there was always something more important, I think, quote unquote, more important than, you know, focusing on essentially a free podcast um, that that wasn't directly, you know, whatever, earning us money. And I, I think that is in my head was always the thing of like, well, I can't spend more time on it. I can't spend more headspace. I have to focus more on these other things, you know, the, the software companies that I'm running. Um, but that would be something that I would, I think, prefer to, you know, have experimented with over the years. 
Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I would say that I think that in general, though, it's hard to justify making changes to something that you think is working well. So yeah. it's, it's hard to say, like, well, let's completely change how we're doing things, because if you break everything, then the, the fear or concern is that, you know, you basically have to start over. You're like you're taking five steps back or 20 steps back as opposed to making any prog any forward progress. And we were making forward progress. We were gaining subscribers. And, um, you know, it's it's nice to see that. But it's a question of, you know, uh, are we reaching a, you know, local maximum or is there a global maximum that's, you know, 15 steps in the other direction that we could go for? And we don't know because we're nowhere close to it. And we need to take these chances and do experiment a little bit more. Um, I mean, we did that with microconf to some extent, but with yeah. microconf, there's not as much of an iteration. It's like one or, you know, one or two per year. You can't make that many changes because it's a huge risk. Whereas with a podcast every week, and you're right. We, we absolutely could have done a lot more experimentation and in retrospect, maybe we should have. Yeah. Hard to say. Uh, another question from Dovi Lilling. Liling, Liling. He says, why don't you put all the episodes in the RSS feed? It's a pain listening to all the history. Oh, Mike, this one. <laughs> this, I wish all the episodes, because I, I like to go back and now and again and listen. Mm -hmm. You want to you take this one? Oh, uh, yeah. So there's a limit for certain RSS readers that uh, you hit a certain character limit and it bombs. It will just die and it will stop like publishing any updates of any kind to the RSS feed. So what was it? We used to use FeedBurner for a while, um, and yeah. that definitely had that problem. Especially since we we included transcripts and in, you know in the show notes. So because of that, that tended to push the number of characters up really high, and it would just choke on it. It just couldn't handle it. Um, and it's a weird know, edge case. Somewhere somewhere around when we hit maybe I don't even know two hundred episodes, two hundred fifty episodes. Suddenly we started getting all these reports. I can't. I. I no new episodes. No new episodes are publishing. And we're like, yes, they are. I can hear them, but it was only in like certain clients. It's just one of those edge cases. There aren't that many podcasts, you know, with that many episodes. So we've tried and we've actually tried workarounds. I at one point tried to hand make a like wrote some code to like spit out a manual RSS feed, which I still may do. I feel like that should work because I, again, I we can only do the trailing. Maybe it's 200. I don't know. And I would love to be able to go further back because it's a pain. I mean, obviously you can download the raw MP3s, but then it's like, you can't 1.5 X them and you know, you kind of lose the archive. I wonder if so. for the much older ones, you could uh, strip out the transcripts and just just have like the links to them. I don't know. Yeah. That might be a way to there. shorten it. Yeah. I, I might know. have an alternate feed or something. Anyways. Um, yeah. So that's it. It's just not, any, it is something we've worked on and it, it's not an easy solution. If I could just change a number to, you know, to 500 or 1,000 and have it all go, uh, we would have done that a long time ago. Yep. Good question there. So uh, Anna Maste says, after 500 episodes, is there any one or two that stand out as your favorites? It's funny. Um, Off the cuff, I haven't thought about this. I, I haven't either, but there's two that would come to mind. One is the uh, the April Fool's Day episode where we switched, where we uh, sold the podcast to uh, you know Dan and Ian over at the Tropical MBA. Um, 
and even four or five years later, I still got people commenting to me on occasion when they ran into me about like, oh, you got me and I hated you for that because <laughs> they yeah. listened to the episode and they had no idea that they just assumed that it was a real episode. And we reached out to them and asked them if they wanted to switch podcasts for a week and um, they would do ours and we would do theirs. And they acted as if they bought it. And <laughs> some of the listeners were a, a little upset and then they realized it was April 1st and it was just a joke. Um, the yeah, other one I would say is the uh, the wives episode where our uh, wives came on and stole the show, so to speak. I believe that was episode 200. At every 100 mark, like I think 100, we got a bunch of call-ins from like, I don't know, it was a bunch of startup founders like Heaton Shaw, uh, Andrew Warner, just mm -hmm. Jason Cohen maybe. I don't know, a bunch of people sent stuff in and we... We aired that and then 200, I think, was the wives episode where we let our, our wives come on and talk smack about us. That was fun. Um, and then I don't remember what we did for the other hundreds, but yeah, those were fun. I think I like, um, I also like the April Fool's episode and I think we should do another one of those. I don't think we ever did another one because we, we took some heat for it and was kind of like, okay. Um, but there was, a, you know, the episodes where... I mean, this is weird, but it's like, it's the emotion of it, right? It's like when you decided to shut Auto Truck down, um, mm. when, you know, like selling drip that episode, I think it was it a double episode or it was really long or something, but like we covering that, cause that was super emotional for me and I was very raw and I go back and listen to it now and I'm like, oh man, yeah, that was a tough time for me. Um, I even think like they're the more recently like 448 where, you know, you and I really dug into blue tech and, and we're just saying like, you know, this is a turning point and you, um, I don't know. You you kind of took a bunch of steps right after that and, and got stuff, you know, more figured out and start blue blue tick kind of took a, a a turn up into the right after that. So I think those are the ones that while they're hard they're hard to record, sometimes hard to listen to, I think they make some of the best they tell some of the best stories, you know, and evoke a lot of emotion that I think resonates. It certainly resonates with me listening back and I think it resonates with other folks too. Yep. Yeah, I would definitely say that was one of the more difficult episodes to <laughs> record. <laughs> Yeah, I remember we had pre-brief and debrief, you know, when you're going <laughs> to do something like that. You can't just do it cold. Yep. Yep. Oh, episode 230, Xander, producer Xander just posted it into to Slack. It wasn't 200. I don't know why I remembered it being that. Episode 230, Allie and Sherry take over. Mm. And I think we're at almost at time, but we have one more question. What do you see for the next 500 episodes? Okay, more practically, how about the next 100 episodes? So I'll, I'll answer that first. And then, Mike, uh, I'll kind of frame, I'll frame the question for you. Um, I think, like, over the, it's been about a year uh, since, you know, Mike had stepped back to, you know, really focus on, on Blue Tick. And I've been doing a ton of experimentation, uh, kind of because I had to, because our old formats really wouldn't fit with one, with one host. Um, and that's what I hope to continue doing is to continue refining and, and trying experimenting uh, with new formats. And I've already, like, I think I have a bulleted list of like nine different show types and I'm kind of rotating through them and figuring out if I can improve them. Just one or two of them is already, are already off the list based on feedback and just the experience of creating them. And I just don't think they're, I don't think they held up very well. I don't think they're that, they're that great. Um, but that's been, that's been fun. And I've been listening to, I've been getting a lot of feedback um, over the past couple of months, positive and, and some constructive as well. And, and really taking that into, um, you know, really taking that to heart and, and using it to prove, I think that I'm in a constant iteration loop of improvement right now that 
like we just said, the podcast was not in for many years. It was more like show up, do it, you know, clock in, clock out. And it was still, it was, I still like those episodes, but there were some lulls along the way. And I'm trying not to have those, you know, those lulls, but who knows? It's always life, you know, can potentially get in the way of that. Actually, so I was going to read from that question for you, but we have another question and uh, I, I think it's even better. It's from Pablo. This is our last question of the day. He says, Robin, Mike, what do you enjoy doing together that is not entrepreneurship related? What do we enjoy doing together? Like, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Uh, we don't do D &D. much together. Yeah. <laughs> I was well, yeah, going <laughs> we live, you know, whatever, a thousand miles apart, and we only see each other at microconfs, and we really only talk to each other. We text sometimes, but we really only talk to each other when we record a podcast. So it's that, you know, we don't hang out that much, but we both are into tabletop gaming, Dungeons and Dragons, um, uh, like uh, whiskey, mm -hmm. right? We're both into whiskey, drinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did, we actually have more similarities. Like we have quite a few similarities, even like back in the day, like coding and that type of stuff. I don't do it as much anymore, but like we were both .NET developers and we would, we would yuck it up over the, you know, the crazy yahoos building C sharp.net. Woo. It was great. Great topics. It makes great radio. That's why we cut all those bits out. But yeah. Anything else you can think of? Um, not really. I mean, yeah. like the, a lot of the, yeah, like, I mean, like you said, like we don't live each live anywhere near each other. Um, and we yeah. only talk about once a week or so. Um, and I think that's something that most people don't actually necessarily recognize or realize when they're listening to the podcast is that we're, you know, talking to each other from, you know, that far away. Like I think several, several people I've talked to have said they made the assumption that we lived near each other. So mm -hmm. we saw each other all the time. Um, and that's just yeah. not the case. Yeah. It used to be once a year at microconf. Now it's, you know, whatever, it'll be two or, or more times a year, but um, yeah, it, it is crazy. It's like, we're, f we're friends, but we're both introverted. We're both introverts. And so we don't yeah. actually reach out to one another uh, that much. Although over the last year, I've been more intentional about texting you and being like, Hey man, what's up? You know, we're in yep. on with blue ticks. So, cause we don't talk, cause we don't talk as often, you know, given right. the, the change in the podcast. So mm -hmm. anyway, sir, we are over time. Thanks so much for taking 30 minutes today. Um, no problem. You are at Anytime. Single Founder. At yep. Single Founder on Twitter. We'll be back on tomorrow. And uh, coming up next week on MicroConf On Air, next Wednesday, same time, same place. April Dunford, using storytelling to amplify your positioning. So thanks for joining us. We're out. I think we're out. Oh, this is the... This